No, the cold and the flu are, they're not real anymore. They're done. We're done with that. It's all COVID now. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Ma, ma, ma. Do, do, re, mi, fa, sol. <laughs> this is actually a singing class. Welcome to choir class. I had music theory in the morning one time when I was younger, and I thought that was the worst to start the day singing. Wow. Oh, it was awful. I had That's a teacher, like... good Mr. Ammond, and he, I, he was so nice, but... He was a terrible singer, and I just remember every morning he started singing to us at, like, 9 in the morning, just the most nasally voice singing you could ever imagine. Like, <laughs> do, do, re, mi, fa, sol. <laughs> was was, literally he, uh, so was he a music teacher? Yes. Oh, that's weird. That was the irony, yes. It was unbelievable. He was a clarinet player. That's like starting mm. the day when you had, like, Got your schedule, and you're like, oh, no, my first class is P.E. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or it's back like, when oh you no, had, like, music theory. Or you had the class, the schedule where, like, your lunch was at, like, 1030, and you're like, dude, I'm going to be starving all day long. Or when you God. had the 230 lunch, it's like, come on. What was that about? Why are they feeding kids lunch at, like, 1030 in the morning? They're like, all right, here you go. Because the school districts out here in the county we went to were had the population was just out of control. Like our our high school and elementary population population is just out of control. No kid, like literally, I think the I wouldn't be surprised if the population of our high school and middle schools in this county, or just grade just grade schools in general, are like half the population of the county. Like it's there's so they just keep building them. There's they're never not building a new school. Like, it's constant. We got to put these kids somewhere. We need to build more uh, child prisons. Exactly. (laughs) Child prisons. Literally. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, that's fun. Well, so, yeah, what's on the docket for today? We got to get the show on the road. We've been talking a little bit about scarespiracies, which we mentioned last time. I have a little thing about AI, um, but we could start there or we could start with whatever you have. Well, okay, I have a uh, a correction, sort of, oh, to okay. the fourth turning. It's not really a correction, it's a clarification that the he gives. So remember, we were speculating about, are we in the fourth turning? Are we almost in the fourth turning? Like, how close are we? Mm, and yes. he he gives, like, a literal explicit date, basically. So he says, if the crisis catalyst comes on schedule around the year 2005, then the climax will be due around 2020, the resolution around 2026. I believe, based on almost being Hmm. done with this book now, that he's probably right about the timing, but I I think that the timeline has been I has been stretched. It could have been. It feels compressed, but I kind of feel like. It, what really happened is it was stretched out because I think 
that the catalysts began, like there's mul- there could be multiple. Probably, th- I'm just guessing his new book, whatever, he'll probably say it was 2001 with 9-11. That's my guess. Mm. Now, the reason I say that is because this is really interesting. I'm going to read you these things that he says could be catalysts. And what's wild is that some form of these, of every single one of them, has actually happened. And these are all predictions written from a while back. So um, he says, a spark will ignite a new mood. Today, the same spark would flame briefly, but then extinguish. So back when he's writing this, when he says today, he means like back in the 90s or whatever. It's last flicker merely confirming uh, confirming and deepening the unraveling era mindset. This time, though, it will catalyze a crisis. In retrospect, the spark might seem as ominous as a financial crash, crash as ordinary <laughs> as a national election, or as trivial as a tea party. It could be a rapid succession of small events in which the ominous, the ordinary, and the trivial are commingled. Recall that a crisis catalyst involves scenarios distinctly imaginable eight or ten years in advance based on recent unraveling era trends. The following circa 2005 scenarios might seem plausible. So here are his possible scenarios that might happen, and you'll be like, wow, those all happened since he wrote this. Oh, my God. Here's number one. Beset by a finan- or by a fiscal crisis, a state lays claim to its residents' federal tax monies. Declaring this an act of succession, the president obtains a federal injunction. The governor refuses to back down. Federal marshals enforce the court order. Similar tax rebellions spring up in other states. Treasury bill uh, auctions are suspended. Militia violence breaks out. Cyber terrorists destroy our IRS databases. U.S. special forces are put on alert. Demands issue for a new constitutional convention. None, some of that is a little extreme, but a lot of the, wow, the yeah. talk of those has happened within the past few years. Uh, okay, two. A global terrorist blows up an aircraft. 9-11, anyone? And mm. announces its, uh, pos- it, pen- it possesses portable nuclear weapons. Weapons of mass destruction, anyone? The United States and its allies launch a preemptive strike. War on terror, anyone? The terrorist threatens to retaliate against an American city. Congress declares war and authorizes unlimited house-to-house searches. That's a little much. Opponents charge that the president concocted the emergency for political purposes. 9-11 conspiracies, anyone? A nationwide strike is declared. Foreign capital flees the U.S. Okay. Number three. An impasse over the federal budget reaches a stalemate. The president and Congress both refuse to back down, triggering a near-total government shutdown. The president declares emergency powers. Congress rescinds his, his authority. Dollar and bond prices plummet. The president threatens to stop Social Security checks. Congress refuses to raise the debt ceiling. Default looms. Wall Street panics. I feel like that happens every three months. <laughs> it does. At this point, it does. Yeah. Number four. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention announces the spread of a new communicable virus. Oh, wow. There it is. There it is. The disease reaches densely populated areas, killing some. Congress enacts mandatory quarantine measures. The president orders the National Guard to throw uh, prophylactic cordons around unsafe neighborhoods, a.k.a. vaccines. uh, Mayors resist. Urban gangs battle suburban militias. That's maybe Mm. some 
calls mount for the president to declare martial law. And then, what was that? One, two, three, four. Here's number five. Growing anarchy throughout the former Soviet republics prompts Russia to conduct training exercises around its border. Lithuania erupts what? in civil war. We're going to call that the Ukraine crisis. Negotiations break down. U.S. diplomats are captured and publicly taunted. The president or poisoned in the embassy. Uh, the president airlifts troops to rescue them and orders ships into the Black Sea. Iran declares its alliance with Russia. Gold and oil prices soar. Pipelines, anyone? Congress debates restoring the draft, which I have heard some talk of. Anyways, so I just thought it was funny that kind of all of those have some flavor of having happened recently or within wow. the time frame that he basically predicted. So, Yeah, no, that's wild. That's, yeah, yeah, pretty accurate. Pretty accurate, I would say. Yeah, there's and uh, there's yeah. some interesting kind of other predictions like that we could end up. I mean, there's some I, I won't. I know we've done plenty of this probably, but there's some really prescient things that he touches on. I mean, like he mentions like high tech dictatorship, basically, which I don't know if he foresaw it being like private companies being the dictators, but basically mm. he, yeah, there's, there's some, Oh yeah. I'll read that in a minute. Okay. So I wrote on the margins here that uh, maybe we've gotten so advanced and organized in a way uh, that we could kind of see the crisis coming or like we collective, we like they, whoever, whatever, you know, mm, mm. or maybe different factions, whoever it's affecting at the time, whether it's the housing crisis, financial crises, political crises, you know, that kind of thing that we've basically been able to like, which is why I'm saying and then be, maybe the timeline's been stretched that he's been able, we've, we have been able collectively to like juke the crisis through all of our technocracy, you know, like. Oh, this problem's happening. Oh, juke this way. Oh, we're not going to have a crisis. Not going to have a crisis. And we just keep trying to like get out of having to face the, you know, brass tacks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but which may be just building That's pressure. how the financial crisis feels like. I feel like they've been talking about this oncoming recession for six months now. And then people are like literally at the point now where they're like, I guess it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a recession. Yeah. Things are just going to go up and to the right, continue forever. And you're like, yep. okay, who are these people? Who are these finance professionals? I This is just an aside joke, sorry. But we were looking at Airbnbs, and we found this one that was like $20,000 for three nights. And it was amazing. Oh my but God. it was insane because we were like, what the hell is this? And then I was like looking at the reviews and I was like, who's staying at this place? You know? And then, cause you can see the like Airbnb review reviewer profiles. And one of them was, uh, your profile said, uh, finance professional. And I was like, oh, that's why I can't spend $20,000 in three days because I'm not a finance professional. I don't know exactly. how to spend money like that. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's people that will rent that for $20,000 for three days and somehow, you know, make $50,000 in those three days by renting it. <laughs> right. You're like, what is this? It's a tax like, write off or something. Yeah. Uh, finance professionals were. Spend uh, spend as little as you have to and make as much as you can, but apparently that's that's not what the finance professionals of the 21st centuries are like. It's spend right. $20,000 in three days. Don't even worry about it. 
Yeah. And I also, I've decided that you are, by the way, the quintessential uh, millennial based on his view of millennials. He doesn't have much to say about them because they hadn't really come into anything yet. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so much diversity. It's hard to like claim anything broadly about the millennials. But as far as like the professional millennials, you're probably his, well, I guess, proverbial millennial. Mm. Um, mm. He compares us to the millennials to Power Rangers. Power Rangers? How are we yes. like Power Rangers? Well, the so the Gen X, which are like the rugged, you know, people. Um, so about the Gen X, he says, they could emerge as leaders of a crisis era popu- populism based on the notion of taking raw action now and justifying it later. A charismatic anti-intellectual demagogue could convert the ad slogans of the third turning into political slogans of the fourth turning. I'm thinking like Donald Trump kind of vibes. No excuses. Why ask why? Just do it. And then uh, the product at its most extreme, could be a new American fascism. Oh, American fascism. Interesting. uh, That's a term people like to throw around these days. Yeah, so the Gen X is like, he compares to, uh, well, I'll read you this this one, and then I'll tell you what the Gen X is, because it's funny or backwards. So the Power Rangers are wholesome kid soldiers in bright primary color uniforms, no relation to the junk-fed mutant Ninja Turtles of the Gen X era. So the heroes of Gen X is like the pizza-eating, sewer-dwelling Ninja Turtles. And then the millennial kind of hero archetype is like the normal kids who, when duty calls, like spring into action and work together and yada yada. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> You're a meme. So he, he, he really thinks – he seems like he has like bigger hopes for the millennials than like maybe what the millennials actually turned out to be. But the millennials are so diverse, I think. That's the problem. With well, hey, we've got a uh, we've got Vivek. Isn't he a millennial? Whatever Maybe. that guy's doing yeah. something. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I was looking Me at this either. stuff. I have a clip too of Donald Trump to play, but we can play it in a, in a little bit here. All right, are you um, are you done with this fourth turning? Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just oh. I was just solidifying my in uncertainties of our timing. Which I has I've harped on like whoa it could be still in the unraveling or whatever but then he finally by the end was like it's this date so I figured I'd share that that we should technically be firmly in the crisis era at the moment amazing all right well let's play this let's roll this Trump clip um, because I just think there's some interesting stuff going on this is. Trump making a campaign ad for his 2024 presidential election. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates. 
and we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. They rigged the 2020 election, and now they're trying to do the same thing all over again by rigging the most important election in the history of our country, the 2024 election, even if it means trying to bring back COVID. But they will fail because we will not let it happen. When I'm back in the White House, I will use every available authority to cut federal funding to any school, college, airline, or public transportation system that imposes a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So interesting. I mean, the thing that strikes me about this is like, I feel like it's so speaks to the people or whatever who are tired, fed up with the system. It totally feeds into his, you know, drain the swamp, energy, deep state stuff. And I feel like it's easy to latch onto. The thing I'm suspicious about is like, Trump was the one in office when the whole pandemic started. And he was the one who was like Operation Warp Speed for the vaccines. And um, so I don't. And then Fauci was the head of the whatever under his administration. So it's hard to figure out like, are, like, is this even real? Like, do you even believe any of this? Because when you were in the office, uh, a lot of this stuff happened. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, oh, and the last thing first... I'll say, sorry, is about Vivek, because I mm. brought this up because Vivek is like this running candidate. You know, he seems like maybe the forerunner opponent to, in my mind, to Trump. And he's kind of saying a lot of the same things like, you know, screw the establishment, blah, 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 fuck the system. And then Trump is over here saying kind of the same things. But I don't know. It's easier to almost take Vivek seriously because Trump was in office when all those things happened and didn't do some of the things he just said. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So. First of all, he sounded very animated and schlishy, like I could hear his dentures, but he also sounded a bit like AIs of him that I've heard, so that was weird. But I, I, it may have been paired with you screen sharing, so it was coming, this audio and visual mm. was coming through a little weird. Maybe that's all. Uh, <laughs> but I will say yes. So my first reaction was, wow, they are just setting this guy up to win. Like It's mm -hmm. like they want him to win. Like the well, I feel day. like it all makes him more popular. Like even like the trials and stuff, it like elevates his esteem. Does. Like how more anti-establishment can you get than getting booked by the establishment? Like come yeah. on. And there's this trend I heard on um, the No Agenda show. They're calling it blacklash and blackfire. Oh. That basically like there's these like man on the street kind of interviews with like black Americans who are like. Trump's one of us now, which is a weird yeah. kind mm. of thing. But it is like there is it does I understand the impulse to think that it lends him credibility if he were arrested. I mean, you know, at the same time, be, with that being the case, it seems like a double edged sword or like a a paradox or something, because with that being the case, it's it's not like it would be against his wishes to be arrested because it's going to help him. Now, it won't right. help him if he's in jail and can't be elected, but what is the likelihood of that happening? Not very likely. If he does go to jail with this being his current stance on the world, that will be a, a crisis catalyst for this country because oh, yeah. people will lose their shit. Now... The other thing that I'm thinking is 
I'm thinking that 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 looks to it just it's there's something weird like that is like it's like I said yes. they are setting this guy up to win or to be the candidate or be formidable a formidable candidate extremely formidable candidate. Well, it just doesn't make sense to me the strategy. Like, if you think about it from the Democratic perspective, like say this is an op or whatever, or even if you're if it's not part of the Democratic Party, you're just part of these DAs who are trying to arrest him or whatever. Like. How does this end for you? Because say you do succeed in your mission or whatever and Trump gets arrested. But like Trump is really popular and say he gets arrested and then he gets elected. Like that sounds like a recipe for national disaster. Like what are they going to do? Not let the elected president go be the president? Like that's absolutely insane. That's absolutely insane. Well, it's it's could be great reset, baby. You know, like time oh to my like God. time to have something really big happen you know like a lot of the things that we were supposed that were supposed to be really big things like weren't did this weren't big things they were setups for something else so like january 6 like they they had a lot of big rhetoric around it but kind of everybody sort of knows like nothing happened you know like if something happened like like it would have mattered like something like you your life wouldn't have just continued on as normal as it has right. now. Now, COVID was a really big operation, which mm -hmm. it was an operation. I won't go into it, but if it read that book, the RFK book, like it, that, that shit's fucked. Like it's so I can't, I, there's nothing else I can say about it. But so that's an operation and it, and that did devastate certain people. And so that, but it still serves as like a setup, like a catalyst. Like this is going to touch some people very hard like really intensely especially the backbone what they call the backbone of america the small business people who 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 do have a lot of wealth in in this country and do employ a lot of people and who have a lot have often everything riding on on that on their situation that was completely stolen from them unbelievable mm -hmm. like unimaginable destruction over nothing yeah. And and that is fleshed out. The fact that it was nothing is fleshed out in the RFK book. So there are a thousand examples of well, how it's not even just bullshit that was. Yeah, it's like the it was virus nothing. wasn't anything. And then, I mean, it was like, but now we're seeing all-cause mortality, you know, increase substantially. And that's related to, I mean, people are speculating all these uh vaccine heart-related injuries or whatever. And I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, I've literally, people are like jumping okay. all over this online because it's like, well, now eating uh, Subway sandwiches and fast food is going to give you increased uh, heart attacks because we have to explain the increase in heart attacks that have been happening. And it's like, what? Like, it's just crazy. The like bald face lies that the media is like t selling people now. I mean, it's like, it's literally insane. Like there was one Michael Schellenberger posted too unrelated but like about these fires in Greece or whatever and like CNN came out with this headline article that said climate change is causing fires in Greece and then like two weeks later literally had egg on their face where it was like arsonists have been arrested in Greece for setting all these wildfires and it's like it happens all the time so like 
what is going and it's like just it's just getting crazier and crazier because I feel like two weeks turnaround like what like you just said this two weeks ago it's not even like two like okay well last year we said COVID was you know a big deal and now we're like eh, it's not a big deal and maybe the vaccines were a lot worse than we thought you know it's like literally days after so anyway I just feel like we're getting to a fever pitch but I cannot emphasize this enough and I have this I gotta, I gotta play this clip here in a minute before it gets away from us but like yeah. these people the news is bought and paid for Okay, like it's it is bought and paid for fully, 100 percent. And those people, there's a few different angles on this, but the basic most obvious is that they're, first of all, blatant liars. Okay, now on on top of that, these people that do report the news to you, they are not reporters. They do not investigate anything. They are paid tens of millions of dollars to read a teleprompter that is 90% of the time not written by them. It is the words on the teleprompter are written by writers. Right. Like, that's that's how that's what they get paid to do is they're right. who capable just pick of up reading. articles from the Associated Press or whatever. Like it's getting yes. fed to them. No one ever knows what the true source is often in that kind of media environment. That's their skill and it's what they're trained to do and it's what they're paid to do is read a teleprompter and not sound like they're reading. But that's what they are doing. It's why they all talk with the same affect. Yeah. In other news, they all talk like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they're liars. 100%. I've thought about that, by the way, just, okay, one last thing that you can play this clip, but like that form of talking, I feel like it's like a form of mind control or something. Like it would be, it is, it's I infantilizing. Had this, yes. I had this thought about it where I was like, you know, it's like, if you were like playing um, music or something and you just played like a dull hum to someone like or something very repetitive, it has like an effect on you. Like if we and partly a natural conversation has like an ebb and flow, it's like music, you know, it's like up and down and long and slow and fast, you know, it's all over the place. But then they have this like and now, but da 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 da, you know, and it's like always the same cadence, and it's like repeated yeah, it's, over it's hip, and it's over. Hypnotic. It's wild. It's wild. Anyway, yeah, it's anyway, it's you hypnotic. Have yeah. Let me see. Let's see. This is from what the. Is this? Uh, I, I'm on Rockfin. This is Jimmy Dore. I do not like his title to this video. New mandatory vaccines are coming. But just to juxtapose this, so we have on one hand Trump going with a bunch of fervor, saying, you know, screw your vaccines, screw your lockdowns, screw your shutdowns. Now it may just be an act, but now let's watch this. I don't know if uh, Joe Biden knew you were coming on today, but then he just gave us a little golden nugget of what's to come. Uh, I retweeted this out. Here we go again. But I'm going to play it again. This is Joe Biden. I'm going to play it one time. And this is what he said over in Tahoe over the weekend talking about COVID possibly coming back when it comes to vaccine and mandates. Take a listen. Mr. President, can you say anything about the uptick of COVID cases and the new variant? Somebody says... Mr. President, can you tell us about the uptick in COVID cases and the new variants, just in case people can't hear it? And he goes, yes, I can. And let's hear the rest of his little quote here. Yes, I can. Matter of fact, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to the Congress a request for additional funding for new vaccine that is necessary, that works. And tentatively, not decided finally yet, tentatively, it is recommended that it would like to be recommended that everybody get it. Everybody. No matter what they got before. Basically says, I have a proposal I'm presenting to Congress and we and it's a new vaccine we're gonna be funding and we want and it's gonna be for everyone to get. Okay, hang on. 
And, you know, just so we know, it's not old Sleepy Joe just going out and mumbling stuff. It was followed up by uh, our press secretary this morning. The president said in, in Tahoe that he had tentatively decided to recommend everyone get the new vaccine. When is he going to decide finally? So as you, I think you've heard from the uh, FDA and CDC, uh, they've made an announcement on the new vaccine. Uh, so certainly uh, they said that they will have an, there'll be an updated vaccine September, mid-September, I believe. So uh, we know that, as you all know, vaccinations against COVID-19 remains the safest protection for avoiding hospitalization, long-term health outcomes and death, which is why we are, we are gonna be encouraging uh, Americans to stay up to date on their vaccines. How about new? <laughs> I had to throw that one. <laughs> so that so now let me restate what i was saying before they're setting this guy up they're setting trump up to win mm. so we have one current president who's i'm trying not to say stuff that's bombastic that's uh he's seen he's, a, he's an old yeah. man corrupt piece of shit liar that we just almost destroyed our economy, possibly the world's economy, through this COVID <clears throat> bullshit. Nobody, if I don't, I don't know anybody that thinks more. I mean, they were telling people to get one, two, three, so many, four, yeah. five. Six. I've that if I had gotten all the co, I not I got no COVID shots. If I had gotten all the COVID shots, I would have received more vaccines in two years than I had received in the last twenty five years. Oh my god! Yeah. And now it's they're wild. saying it's wild. And the yeah. pharmaceutical companies made a fortune on this. And I cannot reiterate this enough. Just read that Anthony Fauci book, the the RFK book about Fauci. The whole system is a complete and total scam and anthony fauci is a literal piece of rat shit like he's a corrupt full i mean i i am not exaggerating i cannot believe yeah i can't believe he's still alive and free but the fact that he is still the head of the of niaid or whatever bullshit he's in charge of at this point making more of a a bigger salary than anybody in the federal government. He makes like they put his salary in the book. It's it's, it's nearly six hundred thousand dollars a year. Not to mention that he we get government money, taxpayer money given to his organization to dole out to make vaccines that he gets to get royalties and patent and patent benefits on and gets kickbacks on. So I bet you his $600,000 salary to be a corrupt piece of shit shill for the pharmaceutical industry is a fraction, probably the smallest fraction of the money that that guy brings in through this scam. This is how he makes his money and it's how he operates. Mm -hmm. And he's, it's like, I, I like the book is breathtaking. I mean, I literally have to just set it down and I just, if you read the book, you will set it down oh and go, God. what am I reading? Like, what is, is this, is this That's real? That's what he like, said. That's so even... crazy. Cause he was talking to Joe Rogan about the book and he was like telling them, he was like, I didn't want Cheryl to read it like his wife, because he was like, I'm so worried that you just read it and then think like, ben, oh, it's so there depressing. Are, 
there's I don't know I don't know what's verified and what isn't, but we're, we're talking like one of the most evil people, like Doctor Mengele level, like oh my god, the I mean like Doctor of Death like, in the Nazi. Uh, We're talking camps. mass grave, like discovery of mm. mass graves of children and infants. Studies that he runs, that hit, that his organization funds, runs, has perfect knowledge of. On, on they do. This is like common, common practice to do pharmaceutical research on children in orphanages, and it's not just like kids without parents. It's oftentimes kids have just been taken from their parents. And in in and in cases where the kids refuse to take the medication, in the worst case, it, or if the medications are just causing them to throw up too much or something, they just surgically insert a tube either through their nose or right into their stomach and pump the shit in there, and they don't give uh, them advocates, what? and they and there's like these masks and there's studies on on infants where like infant children like non walking babies are literally suffering death and they get away with this by calling the infant children volunteers because you can volunteer as an infant to kill yourself. Oh what? And because they, th this isn't this even is supposed back, to be possible under IRB. He's been doing this. He has been doing this since the, since the AIDS scam and the mm -hmm. AIDS thing is a total scam too. And it's what is crazy about the AIDS chapter is that, you forget you're reading about AIDS and you think you're reading about COVID. It is identical. The way that it all, like when he gets in hot water for saying the wrong thing or contradicting himself and what he does to get out of those, it's identical to what happened during COVID. We have like non-symptomatic people. So like, how do you have a disease but no symptoms? Like disease is symptoms like that. You can't, but then they just ramp up the PCR test cycle or they ramp down the oh PCR test God. cycle. I mean, it's literally the same thing. And at the time of the AIDS pandemic, people know this, but the inventor of the PCR test, his name was Kerry Mollusk, never said a, never once said a kind word about Fauci. And in fact, called Fauci an, a, an abject liar and said that he doesn't know anything about virology, says he does not understand how to use the test that I and Kerry Mollusk invented, saying that Anthony Fauci is using this test to test people for AIDS, giving them toxic medications for a disease that they don't have, because mm. he's claiming that the PCR test, he, and he's like, the PCR test can't, can't do that. It can't, it can't discover if you have a disease by, by running PCR test cycles. You, it's not how that test works. But mm -hmm. now, and then Carrie Mollusk, mysteriously or not mysteriously, died like three weeks before the onset of the announcement of the pandemic. So he wasn't around to go, this motherfucker is doing the exact same thing he did in the 80s. And we, I asked our mother, we have two uncles. I'm ranting right now. We have two uncles <laughs> that were gay or one of them was at least. But they both were, quote unquote, diagnosed with AIDS. And I remember just recently I asked mom, I was like, hey, do you remember if Wayne and David were sick and uh, that's why they got on AZT or did they get tested for AIDS? And what she told me was that they got tested for AIDS, had non-symptomatic AIDS, HIV, were put in this medication, it killed them. And this happened to, and oh now nobody uses, and by the way, people don't die from AIDS anymore. 
and they don't well, take we have AZT. All these drugs supposedly that are miracle drugs that yeah you don't have it's to bullshit. worry about even spreading it. That's the narrative. AZT yeah. was a like was the drug that they were putting people on, and it was developed as a cancer drug, and it was denied approval for cancer because it killed more people. It was so toxic that it was oh you couldn't that they would not let you use it for cancer. So then they invented the AIDS virus, invented it. And the people that were the primary inventors or discoverers of HIV and the links to disease and all that stuff, the ones that had that were at the base of that, the real scientists, eventually they were drawing correlations. And then eventually were like, no, this isn't this isn't what it is. Like this is just like a, a some kind of cofactor HIV. It's not like it's not AIDS. It doesn't cause AIDS. It's right. always mm -hmm. present in the PCR test with AIDS. But that may but have it something wasn't the to do. Causal pathway. Yeah, it has some. There's another mechanism, and the mm. the probable mechanism was poppers, which was a pharmaceutical product that was being used in the gay, the the specifically like the gay like club community right, right. as like a rush drug and a a relaxant for like sexual pleasure basically and and fun, and at the time people were coming out like these activists were like. Even gay activists were like, hey, this pharmaceutical drug is uh, carcinogenic, highly carcinogenic. And they started doing these studies, like epidemiological type studies, where they were discovering that like, it was nearly 100% of people with symptomatic AIDS were reporting that they had been on pro basically prophylactic antibiotics to because I'm living a risk, risky lifestyle, I'm going to get STDs, and I want to be on antibiotics, so I don't, and on poppers. And that this combination creates, I can't remember the name of the chemical in the body, that causes your immune system to shut down. Yeah, I was going to say, it just probably ravages your immune system. And, the, and of course, the Fauci's of the world, the, the pharmaceutical company that was producing this drug was saying that that's not true. So it was like they were essentially saying like, Yes, keep using this prescription drug as a party drug because it's not dangerous like they say it is. And then oh all of God. the publications, which were being fun, just like today, just like every ad on news media is a pharmaceutical ad, the same system was in place. And even a lot of these gay activists were publications, should I, I should say, were convinced not to run those stories in their articles that were that were was like the main news source for that community. So they couldn't even know it. And this is time and again, exactly. And the guy that like one of the big Fauci henchmen literally would say things like when a like a, there was some doctor or researcher that came out and was like kind of saying some stuff like, hey, well, maybe you should like consider that this you're wrong and that none of these other scientists agree with you. And he was like, well, he's a faggot. Like that was his, like that's the scientist w that was one of the I can't remember these guys names. There's so many names in the book. But like that was like one of the prominent talking head scientists at the time. Like th so that's the I'm just trying to you have to read the book, but I'm trying to draw a picture of like. All of these, something's, I don't know, like, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. Like, these people are fully compromised and they're like a, it's like a, a mob or something, like a cartel. And Fauci's a very, very, very high up in that cartel. And mm. these pharmaceutical companies have 
you know, revenues the size of countries' GDPs. Well, and they have so much yeah. power, and they're and they want you. If you're the if you're military industrial complex, you make all your money when there's war. War is good for business. Mm-hmm. If you are mm-hmm. a pharmaceutical company, you make all your money when people are yeah. sick. Well. I think, yeah. I mean, it's a problem that's been brewing for a long time, seemingly. I mean, people will say, you know, I mean, I what I was thinking about was the how people, the crime in cities, you know, like, oh, a failed state, we're not, you know, policing criminals and, you know, there should be consequences for your actions or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but this is a problem that's been brewing for a long time. Like that problem, like not paying the consequences and us not enforcing laws and like, policing bad behavior that's been going on for a long time i mean been how long have we said like you, crime is you know crime is uh, just price or whatever you know like i just said that yesterday i'm so poor that sometimes my insurance like i have, I have my insurance has lapsed i so i had a month a couple months ago it went by i never noticed it i started paying again i, I didn't even know i missed a month i just picked right back up auto you know auto draft out of my account or whatever but i got pulled over the other day probably I, I let's just put it this way i could have gone to jail I wiggled my way out of it and you know like this is this could have altered my life horribly everybody's life that I'm that my life touches it was like high risk situation not good and you know as I was reading this book it dawned on me I'm like I I the little people just us individuals have to worry about whether we're growing a plant in our backyard whether we had two beers and and uh, you know uh you know, didn't stop long enough at the stop sign and could go to jail and ruin our life and get our license suspended and get on six, seven months of probation. Then you have people that are doing God knows what, destroying economies, killing people, knowingly lying about products, committing financial pushing fraud poison, on a scale you couldn't even imagine. Financial yeah, fraud. The, the, the 2008 housing crisis, nobody gets in trouble. And those that class of people, n- no consequences yeah. ever. Free Never. for a price. And, That's what they say. That's and, what I was thinking. If, exactly. And Donald Trump, I mean, it's a similar situation. Or legal he for was in jail for yeah. Donald Trump was in jail just long enough to get his beneficial mugshot taken. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all. He was in there for ten yeah. minutes or twelve minutes. Or no, I mean it so these it's like, people don't ever pay the consequence. They can just buy themselves out of whatever legal troubles or whatever, and all this bad behavior goes unpoliced. And I mean, just think about that. Like think about like if you had a kid that you were raising and you don't police its bad behavior, like your child's bad behavior. The bad behavior doesn't go away. Like it's not like they go, oh, well, that's bad. I'm gonna stop doing it. They become a problem. Like literally, become a problem child. Like teachers are like. Ma'am, you really need to start parenting your child better because they're causing a lot of problems. Because all they want to do is be bad now. Because they actually love what getting they say is, like, what the teachers actually say is, have you considered putting your child on pharmaceuticals? <laughs> yeah, well, then that's that's even, what they yeah, say. Another layer of it, but just think about like these top, you know, high level people. It's like, of course, if you start getting away with bad things, you're like, it's not like oh, I'm just going to start doing good things now. Like, I got away one time. It's like, no, you're going to do bad things all the time. Like, if you don't get caught and no one shows you that that's not acceptable and other people are not going to step up to police you, well, then you're just going to keep doing those things. And that's how it works. And I feel like that's a that's a problem. Yeah. A big problem. And so, you know, Monica 
Perez, Deep Dives Monica podcast. I sent her, I was like, hey, are you ever going to read this book and like give me your take on it? Because I'm like, what is going on here? Like this thing, this is like the wildest thing I've ever read. And then she sent me that little article, which I read to you. It's like a really short thing. And it's basically like, she it was titled like scare spiracies. Like there's these conspiracies, whether they're true, false, whatever, but they scare the crap out of you. And they're, there's something there. I, what strikes me as odd about the book is that it, it that it can be true. So like, RFK hasn't had his ass suit off yet. That's weird. What's also weird is that the book is published by a Kennedy, top, you know, top seller, big time book. People are reading this thing, and nobody's suing Fauci. Like he's still in power. So how is this information now in bound in a mm. book form? available and nothing and and Fauci's still still at the helm how is that possible actually and so it makes me mm. think and and now now couple that with the two sides of the same bird the, the democrats and the republicans the democrats coming out and going we're going to do more we want more new vaccines more funding more, we're just going to give more goddamn fucking money to these fucking pharmaceutical <sighs> fucking companies fuck that they made plenty of fucking money to fund their own fucking vaccine do you understand what i'm saying yes yes they well record breaking profits they can fund their own fucking vaccines so now but no so we have the democrats going we're going to give them more money to make more goddamn vaccines that everyone's going to take. How many How many people are going to take it? How many items sold will they have? A 1 billion, 2 billion, 3 billion items sold at 30, 40, 50 dollars a pop? How much money are they going to get off of this deal for funded by the people that it's going to be forced upon? Funded by us instead of their own fucking ill-gotten profits? So we have the Democrats praising that, doing more of that. And then on the other side, we have Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy or whoever, not all of them, half these Republicans on the debate stage think that COVID's real and that these pharmaceutical companies are doing God's work, which is bullshit. It's so bullshit. And so, but nevertheless, all of them, we could forget them. They'll never get elected. On the right, it's, but, but, and this is my, my point. It's like, how can all of this be converging at one time and not be fake? Like, how can Donald Trump, like, because like you said, he also, he was warp speed, also responsible for doing the same thing that the Democrats want to do now that's going to not get them elected is exactly the the what mandates. Donald Trump yeah. did during his presidency. So something is going on here. Trump is lying. Uh, Biden's full. Uh, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with that guy, but something's wrong with him. Trump's saying the right things that are going to get him elected. And what does he really stand for? What are we really going to get? What is his real motive? What's the whole point here? Because he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care if we fund these pharmaceutical companies. He already did it. And it's not like he's not pointing out. It's not like he's pointing to. And why would you if you all you cared about is yourself? He's not pointing to RFK's evidence because that would be giving a finger point in the direction of a potential you know, candidate. I mean, I just something's wrong here and it's it's a it's really bad. Like it's a really big problem and it's stressing me out that everyone's so retarded. I'm sorry, Monica, for saying that, but everyone's so unbelievably retarded that they can't get their heads out of their ass and realize that all of these people 
are dog shit people. And probably the best choice is the worst is who you ever you think is the worst candidate. That's probably the best choice. That guy from Wisconsin or wherever the fuck he's the from, whatever Bergum. his fucking name is, <laughs> Bergman, B- Bo Bugum, Birdie Boggy, whatever. <laughs> that, vote for that guy because whatever. Because who when fucking cares? When he pulled cares? out the Constitution, that's all yeah, I need I to mean, see. Even Vivek Ramaswamy, how did he make his money? How did he make his billions of dollars? Pharmaceutical drugs. He is mm-hmm. big pharma. He benefits. I understand he wanted to make. He, his whole story is I want to do make drugs in a different way. I don't give a shit. I fuck bullshit. You made billions of dollars. You must have got. Are you telling me he never got? There's no interaction between his billion dollars, uh, billions and billions of dollars in drug company revenues and creation, and no interaction with NIAID, no interaction with FDA, no interaction with CDC. Impossible, impossible. And if you read the book, you find out you don't get drugs approved because you're a good person or the drug is helpful. Like, that's just not how it works. The whole system from the top down is actually corrupt. NIAID took over AIDS instead of the Cancer Institute, instead of the, you know, because if you can convince people that it's an infectious disease that gays give to people, except for in Africa, it's only straight women, but that gays give to each other in America then that makes it an infectious disease and all the money starts funneling to NIAID, which of course is the, where Fauci is the head of, National Institute for Infectious Disease, Allergies and Infectious Disease. So it's that's the whole system wow. from the top down is a scam. So you can't convince me that Vivek Ramaswamy either is, I'm turning on everybody now. You can't convince me that he's got <laughs> Left, right, uh, and center. an ounce of integrity either. I mean, well, so I'm what s- you said though yeah. about uh, Fauci, like I don't understand how he's not been sued or whatever, like taken out because, I mean, it's just crazy to me. And maybe I made this point before already, but like the fact that Jordan Peterson is getting like his hand slapped by the College of Psychologists in Canada. And they're saying you need to. So they're saying you because you said you did all these demeaning things to trans people and said all these things, like literally just having a conversation with Joe Rogan, like all these reports. He talked. In. He said words. He right, said right. words. He said true things. Actually, he said that real men are, are real men. And sometimes trans is really detrimental to your health and where detransitioners are the evidence that some people shouldn't have ever been transitioned and sterilized when they were young. So like just true things. And then right. the and we should the be able to study it, like, but now we can't because it's a social contagion. Oh my God, canceled. Right. Can't say that. It's a, it's a real thing. No, they're really, right. really women. Right. So he said true things. And now the college psychologist is like, you can't say those things. And you actually need to make public statements to ameliorate your image in order to keep your license and your job as a psychologist. So they're going to force exactly you to say, compel your It's the same setup. Right. It's ridiculous. And so it's like all this crazy stuff. So that's like that's the punishment for saying true things. It's like you're a professional, you're a research psychologist, and you said true things. And now the College of Psychologists, the governing board of that institution of research and learning and profession is saying, well, now you have to say publicly declare false things that we uh, you know, would like you to say, we prefer you to say. And then you look at what's going on in America and you're like, Fauci said so many medical mistruths And so many medical lies literally changed his stance every day during COVID. Mass work, mass don't work, get the vaccine. Destroy countless Pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, it's like, what are we talking about? And that person gets the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And so you're like, what is going on? What is going on? The people who lie get Presidential Medal of Freedoms. And the people who say the truth 
literally are forced to say lies. The colleges come after them and say, you need to publicly declare lies. It's unbelievable. And, yeah. It's unbelievable. And this is, th- and so two things. One is that's the exact same phenomenon. Uh, there's no book written on it yet. There's no RFK out there to write the book on psychology, on the psycho- psychological front. But it's the, it, but just that exact scenario reeks of the exact same system, the exact same system as the vaccine system, as the pharmaceutical system, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where it's there's something Higher wrong with the inst- with the institution. Licensing. Yes, yep. the institution is corrupt to its literal core, and it's all about something that isn't conversation, something that isn't what science really is, which is a conversation that that revolves around data, interpretation of data, and discussion. Figuring out the truth. In, yeah, they literally used to call it the great conversation, and that but was what it was about. Right. And instead, what they do is if you have a, if you are one of the most pr- prominent psychologists in the world, and you say something, and that's exactly what happened during AIDS, it's exactly what happened during COVID, you say something that isn't in line with the highest level of that institution instead of having the conversation with the high the most renowned psychologists in the world instead you get to not be a psychologist anymore dictated by that institution so that your converse your input into that conversation to all the retards out there and i'm talking about all of us oh well that guy's no longer valid because they took away his license they same game same game. It doesn't what, even what make any call- sense. Like, who are these people? How, what authority do they have to grant you or take away your license? Like, these people literally are not even psychologists. Like, they're like bureaucrats. You know, like you don't even do research and practice and stuff. So, like, honestly, how, you know, how what do they, we even have this system? It doesn't make sense. Those to me. people at the top of of the psychological institutions are part of the pharmaceutical company. They're part of the pharmaceutical industrial complex because they are. It is heavily populated with psychiatrists, not psychologists. Right. Pill prescribers. Pill pushers. Have you ever been to a psychologist? Those people want to sit down with you for an hour, two hours. Psychiatrists, they claim that they do therapy. They would, they, their preference, 15 minute appointments because they don't give a fuck why you feel how you feel. They just want to know how you feel. And if they can think of a pill that you could take, I used to have a doctor. That's how they make money. I went in and he would pull out this book. He handed me the fucking book one time. He got his license suspended, probably because he had some affair with some patient or something. Probably because like he literally, said the he'd truth. be like, he's like, well, <laughs> there's this pill, this pill, and he was like, show me the book. He's like, you want to try that one? And I was like, I'll yeah, I'll try any of them, whatever. Oh I, my just, god, whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the that's the whole system. And I liked that doctor because I thought it, I not like he was practicing good medicine, but he was honest. Yeah. He was upfront about it. He's like, well, I know why you're here. That. Yeah. So no, it stresses me out. Back to your point about like it all, you know, it's like it's got to be fake. I don't know what's going on. It's really hard to tell what's true from what's not true. I mean, it's like the sources you're supposed to trust that have like authority, like authoritative sources. Like it's so clear that they're like literally just lying to you at this point. They're lying. And then you have all these like, yeah, you have all these independent sources. And it's like I really don't know – how to verify the credibility of all these different independents or like, I don't know how to verify the credibility of Vivek Ramaswamy. I've never some met the, the guy. Indi- he just popped some into of them public are liars. appearance. You know, it's like, who knows? Some of them are liars as well. Right. But of that's course, that's what I was saying. saying. It's like, it's so confusing. 
Yeah, and I think this is in the next episode coming out. I may have I may have taken out in a big edit I did, but like that one of the only like okay, I mention Monica Perez all the time, and the reason I do that is because I know her and I trust her, and her podcast is called Deep Dives with Monica Perez. And I, what we were talking about, and I know I took this out of the podcast, but basically with all this stuff, all these conspiracies, so you have the lies from the mainstream media and you have the conspiracies that turn out to be weird and, and problematic. I was talking about the Maui video footage where you'd see one video on, you know, of some truth guy or whatever or gal going, oh, look, all this pristine property that George, the, the Bezos and Oprah own. And they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the vid- the B footage, you know, video is like showing the coastline. Then you go look up and it's like what they said was half true, like- Okay, Oprah did buy a bunch. She does have a thousand acres now on Maui. Her stuff was untouched, but it wasn't on the coast. So you have to really dig and dig. And my point during that podcast was to say, you really, Monica has it right. You have to do a deep dive on the thing if you're going to believe it. Otherwise, you can't, like, you, you, it's cynical. It is cynical, but like cynicism is the right approach to when you're dealing with liars. Like when you're dealing with lying liars, you have to, you can't believe them. Or maybe at least the stakes are high too. It's like the stakes of you, me believing you are very high. Like you're about to potentially be elected to the highest office in the country. You Like we know that apparently you can force max, vax mandates and shut down businesses. So the stakes are really high for me to believe you, you know, if you're wrong. Look, <laughs> literally, look how big the lies were. Look how big of a lie they're willing to tell you. Look at how wrong they are willing to be and with full knowledge. They will never, not one day in their life, face an actual consequence. So Fauci, with his flip-flopping constantly, and literally he actually had press conferences where he admitted, he literally said, yes, we lied. Like he literally said, we said that because we were afraid that we would run out of this or that. So he literally said, no, sometimes we did lie to you. So and then and then you look at the scope of that lie and what it did. We already talked about it. They destroyed. They destroyed. I mean, they destroyed California. They destroyed New York. They killed. They locked people in a fucking cruise in the middle of the ocean for a fake virus. For a cold, oh for if if it's a real virus, it's a cold. Like if it's real, it's a cold. The no, CDC, the cold and the flu are, the har- they're not real anymore. They're done. We're done. They're with not that. literally. It's all COVID exactly. now. <laughs> they came out and said they've come out and said multiple really condemning things, like the PCR test cannot actually differentiate between COVID and basic other basic coronaviruses, other basic cold viruses. First of all, and they also said that. Uh, during the height of the pandemic, the CDC released flu numbers, flu numbers, which they convinced they used to convince us to get the flu shot by telling us how many gazillions of people were getting the flu. Guess how many got the flu during the COVID, the height of the COVID pandemic? The CDC told us zero, none, zero. How, what the fuck are you talking about? How is that possible? So I think swine flu was inf- worse than COVID. A hundred percent, hundred percent worse. It's ridiculous. I mean, you remember the swine yeah. flu back in there? I mean, it was like we had like a epidemic of swine flu. Like it was real bad. The I feel same like people were the exact, not doing well. The exact same guy, Neil Ferguson, from the fake ass fucking institution that he's from. I am losing my mind. I'm sorry, everybody. From that fake institution he's from. Well, I'm pretty sure that he was the he was the first guy to come out and be like, 
everyone's going to die. Literally millions and millions and millions of people will die from COVID. He was the same guy that came out during the one of the other ones. It was either swine flu or bird flu or some fucking flu from like 10 years ago that he made a prediction that, again, millions and millions and millions of people were going to die. It never happened. It literally did not happen. But they there wasn't the right atmosphere. to. We weren't dumb enough yet to buy into whatever whims the elite money-making scammers wanted to throw out there. People were more apprehensive because they weren't as woke or whatever the problem is. And by the way, RFK claims that Anthony Fauci is the progenitor of woke, woke culture and that it began through AIDS by wow, by that's basically calling by calling out doctors that were not saying the right thing and basically calling that like non-politically correct and canceling doctors that were not agreeing with what and mm. researchers that didn't agree with what he said and that is according to RFK basically the origin of the woke phenomenon and now what do you know we have the most woke dumbass society we could have ever possibly imagined and they come out and they say hey uh there's a cold stay home look at these stay home yeah, people just yeah, went yeah. home they just went home and they were showing us videos of yeah of like people dying in the streets of china being like like hosed down with whatever some what was it, lysol like what were they spraying on those people they were telling us they were welding people <coughs> in their houses in china don't you cannot believe these people nothing they say they're liars mm -hmm. everything yeah, they yeah. say is a lie everything they say is a lie it's all agenda anyway, driven i guess it's a big anyways. problem we're at a precipice of something and yeah regardless of what happened i feel like yeah it's just a, a tenuous time i mean we're just seeing these crazy candidates i feel like because it's like i don't know if it's always been like this but it really seems extremely bipolar like we have you know it's not like should we be spending more money on the war or less money on the war the united states is in it's like the presidential debate is like one candidate is saying more lockdowns more vaccine mandates the other candidate is like that was the biggest scam that's ever been pulled off on american people and we're not doing that and anyone who does that is going to jail like well, essentially it's, it's literally, like what but they, it keeps getting more extreme because what because the these power psychopaths want First of all, they want more and more and more. And for them to get what they want, you have to have less because what they want is yours. That's how it works. That's why the government, you, us, are going to pay for these pharmaceutical companies to make another vaccine for us. That's why we have to pay for it and not the pharmaceutical company because they want your stuff. They, you, there's only finite mm. resources. So you need to give it to the, you, everyone needs to give it to the, the rich. And yeah. so what I think the, the other reason that it gets more and more extreme is because they're doing, they're doing it so much. They're doing this constantly to us. 9-11, what, what weapons of mass destruction? Where? Didn't exist. 9-11, who bombed us? So one country from, supposedly they say, a country from someplace you don't know about over there, you know, where it's all sand and stuff. That's what they want you to think. It's these sand people. They live over there. They're like, they're like Tuscan Raiders from Star Wars or just, they're like not even people. And they just want to bomb us because why? Why do they want to bomb us? Because our freedom, bullshit. And then 
they invade a different country than they even told us bombed us. So we have somebody bomb us, then they invade a different country. And I think what happens is that that's like one of the biggest conspiracies of the 20th century, the 21st century. People start to recognize, I think they it's it's an automatic like Pavlovian or, or uh, classical conditioning. You go, it's all bullshit. Everything's bullshit. I don't believe these fuckers anymore. Fuck them. So we they stop getting the reaction, but they need the reaction. They need us yeah. to comply constantly. So they have to ramp it up. Now they have to tell you, you're all going to die. You're yeah, all going to die. It. Everyone is going to die. If you don't get a vaccine, you and your grandmother dies, it's your fault. Yeah, that's, well, then they have to the, make it your fault too. They have to make you feel guilty about it. Yeah, it's your right, fault that everyone is dying. And, yeah, we're, and we're so woke now that that's, people were walking around. People, I, I mean, I got, I've told my story. I got fired because I didn't wear a mask mm-hmm, in a fucking mm-hmm. building somewhere. And it's like, that's the whole thing. Like, every, but I knew, so I went to work at that place I was working and they also made us wear masks in that building. By the way, nobody there th- felt like we should be wearing masks. But guess what? They not only were all wearing masks, they were also enforcing the mask. But they didn't believe it. Like, it was so perplexing to me. That is the exact reason why they can pull this stuff off. Mm. Because people- Well, that's so something, interesting. Something's wrong yeah. with people. Everybody is like- Re- they've yeah. gone full retard to quote Samuel L. Jackson. Well, you have that like uh, I don't know dichotomy of response. I feel like was. when you uh, yeah you've been oppressed or you're forced to do something. I feel like there's one response that's like compassion. It's like because I have suffered or like been forced to do this thing, I will fight for no one to have to endure this. And then there's other people that it's like retribution. I feel like that's the more common response and the worst aspect of human, you know, tendency, which is like, because I've suffered, everyone should suffer. Like, because I have to wear this mask, everyone has to wear the mask, even though I don't think it's a good thing. But there well, are there's some been research people, yeah, who wouldn't. Hasn't there been research like, about that where they like, basically that if they can get, they get you, I know they've done the research where they can convince people to, to, to believe things they know not to be true just because other people are claiming to believe them right, in right. the study. But I think there's research too about that actually you can get people to double down on their on their false beliefs, like literally go harder on those false beliefs because mm-hmm. of this like communal whatever. I don't know the word for that, what that phenomenon is, but basically you you get people to do something that they don't believe and then it makes them believe it even it's very similar to like Stockholm right. syndrome. You yeah. know, like you'll but like I mean, it's, fall okay. in love with your your captor, your your abuser. Yeah. I mean, it's so prevalent to that kind of behavior. I mean, I think about it in the workplace. Like, you know, like ideally people want a meritocratic work base where, you know, when you work hard and achieve things that you get rewarded for them and promoted and whatnot. But that's People, you know, didn't experience that in the workplace and they experienced, oh, well, it didn't matter how hard I worked or whatever. Like it just I just had to wait for a couple of years or whatever, or play, you know, nice with the boss. And then I got promoted. And and because it was like that for me, that's how I'm going to treat my employees when I become a manager and whatever. And that's how it's going to be for them, because that's how it was for me. And it's very positivist. And I feel like that's the natural Well, that's tendency. for some people. Right. I and think then that some there's people... also this human tendency to like realize that, oh, I don't even have to work. I don't actually, I actually, and then you realize it's beneficial to not have a meritocratic because I actually just have to pretend. I just have to put on a mask. 
I just have to act like I believe what everyone else believes. I just have to agree. I just have to say yes all the time. I just have to go, good job. I just have to say I'm diverse. And well, that that's actually like gets me what I need. the narcissistic snake who takes advantage or parasite who takes advantage of the situation. I feel like that's – you've got that going on. And then you've got – yeah, that's probably – Probably the majority of people are just very positivist. And then on one extreme, you have the narcissistic parasites who are taking advantage of the situation. They're like, I'm just pretending now. Like, this is great. I don't even have to do work. And then you've got on the other end of the spectrum, a minority of people who are like righteous about it, I think, who are like, this was absolutely terrible. No one should ever be put through this. We're not doing this. This has got to change. And, you know, I think that maybe you hope that those people went out in the moral arc of the universe, been stored good, but. Uh, that's probably in the long term. That's why it's the moral arc. It's long, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and let me draw another analogy. So I think this analogy is lost on people because it's so, I'm like shrinking because it's so taboo at this point. But this used to be a very religious country and like TV preachers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that was like, like it was not a shame to be a religious person. What was his name? Fact, Graham something or whatever. Oh, there's all there's a million different. So many guys revivals out there. going on, people like spreading Jesus across the country. It's wild. And you it was cool to have like a big cross like a cross necklace or like a religious quote on your shirt or like to carry a Bible or to have the thing on your car. All of that is this social human instinct to we have we have what i'm saying is there's no, we don't have any religion we have no culture we have no we have no authentic real meaningful groups anymore right. because everything yeah. is all diversity and all this like just ridiculous shit right. and no so i think community. people are they're starving to be a part of something and, and and for their actions and the things they do in their daily lives to feel like they even matter and the, because people's lives i think do feel for some reason nowadays very meaningless. I mean, I shit. Our last podcast, you heard me talk about my meaningless life. Like, there's that twofold thing. I want to be a part of a group, and I want my life. I want my everyday like life is actions. It's it's what you do, and I want that to be meaningful. And the new religion of right, you want it to be consequential. You don't want it to be non consequential, whether you're right. rich or poor, right? And you and you kind of want it to be good. You know, especially if I can't gain from it, like financially or whatever, then I want what I'm doing to to be good in some other way. So if I, if this if the high priests of the pharmaceutical industrial scientism complex, these religious leaders tell me to that that the doctrine, the science says, like that's the craziest phrase ever. The science, the the Bible says, wear a mask, and so you go, oh, I'm righteous. I put the mask on. What I'm and I'm now I'm saving lives. Oh, I got so many. I got all the vaccines like, oh, it's such a sacrifice. I mean, it is a burden. I understand that people don't want to do it, but you just have to for the greater good for your to be doing the right thing and do a meaningful thing. You know, that's why I do it. And it's it, it, that's a, a it's a natural human impulse that has been that they're taking advantage of. It's the same. Mm -hmm. It's the same impulse that makes people give blood or or help a charity like you do feel good from doing that kind of stuff but but this was such a complete and utter satanic perversion of that instinct and that impulse that became uh, uh made people turn into zealots like that's how that's what happened to me when i got fired it was a room full of religious zealots who were just like all religious zealots 
full-fledged hypocrites, literally right. telling Ready me they're concerned about germs. Yeah, they they're concerned about germs, but they're like sucking on the the handle for the door. You know what I mean? I mean, that I mean basically, she's like leaning all over the front desk of the doctor's office that everybody touches. So I know that you're a hypocrite, and you're all ganging up on me in a huddle while I'm sitting in the corner. Like that's religious fervor and a zealot zealot's behavior and a, and hypocrisy. And but people, that's it's the weaponization of those human instincts to want to be part of a group want to be doing something right, feel like what we're doing is morally virtuous. And when, you, when you're when you not sure, because my, the natural impulse would be, I think, to some extent to go, is this right? Should I, that person's not wearing a mask. Like, is that okay? Like, I don't know. Like, mm. but then you have two or three people with you and go, sir, 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 you need mm. to have your mask. Yeah, yeah, you do need to have your mask. You know what? Yeah, doesn't he have to have his mask on? That's literally the conversation that was happening in front of me. Like, yeah, he does need to. Hey, sir. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all these people yeah. ganging up, like that's what they, that's, that's just a microcosm of what happened on the larger scale. And it's going to, and if people don't recognize that that's, that they're falling victim to this, they're, that's going to keep, that's what, okay, that's the next step. Now we're like, we just pointed out Trump or Biden, Lamaswamy, Biden, RFK, who, which guy are we all going to coalesce around? Which which group are we going to be a part of? Which righteous deed will we do with the voting booth? And we're just going to keep going because people, I don't know. I literally don't know. Someone needs to tell us, like some psychologist that knows this, sociologist, how do people snap out of Stockholm Syndrome? How do people snap out of being wrong but feeling right? Like how do you get that to happen for people? And maybe it's, maybe this is it. Like you have to, you have to have these little voices, that silent majority that's fractured and fragmented just out there on the corner going, the end is nigh. So that you know, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks this is absolutely insane. And that's what I said at the time when I told that story originally, like that's the whole courage thing. Like if people aren't courageous, somebody has to be courageous so that people can see the example because so many people are like borderline NPCs. They need mm-hmm. to see that they're not well, alone. Yeah, yeah, They need to feel like there's someone there for them or with them or, or something. I don't know. Yeah. The antidote of know. free speech or whatever, as RFK would say. But yeah, I think in general, that's the idea is that free speech... Uh, yeah, is the thing that allows us to talk about and talk through all those things. But yeah, it takes courage. Um, anyway, not to placate about free speech, um, I have one last thing to share. This is totally shifting gears because we've talked enough about COVID. We don't mean to demean you about COVID because you're all living it as we all are. Um, I, I Yeah, I think people <laughs> are starting to wake up. I think that's the appeal of these apparent that's why they have to give us what appear to be outsiders at least that those are the people that people start talking about like that even that oliver whatever country singer it's like oh just some guy i never heard of like oh i it's so cool he's so small but he made this great anthem or you know or or ramaswamy or rfk i even think i think that's the appeal of rfk for me is that i don't agree with like 90 percent of his like policy ideas and political ideas but you know what I do agree with? Somebody has got to do something 
about the corruption at the top levels of these institutions. Someone has got to do something. If that's how things get done, then fuck it. Get them, mm-hmm. get someone mm-hmm. in there to just be like, hey, Fauci, you're out, dude. All you people, you, no more. This is over. This game, Jail. this is done. Jail. Anyway. Jail, yeah. ultimately. Okay. Public execution. I don't care. Oh, my God. No. Is that Home Depot? What is that? Uh, we got to go. We got to move on. Enough of that. I'm going to dismiss all of that now. Um, okay. That was a joke. What? Oh, killing them? Oh, I was yes. just I was just telling Mon no, I was telling Monica that you're dismissing instead of refuting. Oh, I'm making a joke, yes. I yeah. uh, I <laughs> I'm got feedback okay. recently that I was dismissive of <laughs> Mr. A's arguments. So this is me practicing um good feedback. Uh, and I got feedbacks that I hardly make arguments, so there we go. <laughs> Um, anyway, I just, you know, sometimes we have to, we only have limited time, okay? And we got to talk about these Salesforce earnings from Q2. No, I know. No, I'm ready to go. You, you got to get me off this. 2022. So this is about AI because we love talking about AI. And I wanted everyone to hear what Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, says is in store for their plans with AI. And keep in mind that, okay, two things that are interesting about Mark Benioff and Salesforce. If you don't know, Salesforce is a CRM company, customer relationship management. Mark Benioff is the CEO of Salesforce. He kind of pioneered the software as a service model where you pay forever for software and like uploaded it to the web and you could just have it on your web browser and then you paid monthly. That was a pricing model. AKA you can own nothing and rent everything. Right. right? It's terrible. It's, it's been a complete boom for software and a complete bust for everyone in the American people. And yeah. So that's Mark Benioff and Salesforce. And then the other thing that's interesting about Salesforce is they've been doing a lot of AI research, is that a lot of this research that, you know, helped develop AI actually came out of Salesforce. Salesforce did a lot of the research. Um, So that goes back like to 2014 and stuff. So they've done a lot, published all these papers in leading journals and uh, have state of, have developed state-of-the-art AI models. So this is not like, oh, we just pontificate. This is like, We've been developing AI for years, and we're actually kind of the leader in the industry in AI, and we're not even, like, technically an AI company until recently. So, anyway, right. here's what he has to say. It doesn't even seem right that they would be do- – like, it's not – it doesn't seem like – it's totally not it's weird. It's lo- weird. obvious that they would be doing this. Right. You'd think it'd come out of, like, a university doing research for, like, seeking knowledge, but, like, no, it's like we just needed to develop AI because the software product we have needs to get even more powerful. We need to make even more money, and so we developed AI, and, you know, of course. Okay, here we go. Here's what he says. So he'll hear a question, and then he'll answer. Your next question comes from the line of Brad Sills with Bank of America Securities. Your line is open. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to ask another question here on AI. The, the opportunities here so are just so exciting across the stack. So exciting. You know, sales, GPT, you've highlighted you know, content uh, automation, call summaries, sales assistance, service GPT, auto replies, you know, summaries on, uh, and scheduling. Just when you look across the Salesforce stack, where do you see the most opportunity here you know, across sales, service, marketing, commerce, in the core? Uh, based on the activity that you're seeing uh, today from customers with with uh, uh, the early release of, of the product. Well, thank you so much for that. And you know, let me just say we're in the we're at the beginning of you know uh, quite a ball game here. And you know, 
you know, we're really looking at the evolution of artificial intelligence in a broad way, and you're really going to see it take place over four four major uh, zones. And the first major zone is what's played out in the last decade, which has been predictive. That's been amazing. That's why Salesforce will deliver about a trillion transactions on Einstein this week. Uh, it's incredible. These are mostly predictive transactions, but we're moving rapidly into the second zone that we all know is generative AI and these GPT products, which we've now released to our customers. We're very excited about the speed of our engineering organization and technology organization, our product organization, and their ability to deliver customer value with generative AI. We have tremendous AI expertise uh, led by an incredible AI uh, research team. And um, this idea that we're kind of now in a generative zone means that that's a zone number two. But <clears throat> as you're going to see a dream for, zone number three is opening up with autonomous and with uh, agent-based systems as well. This will be another level of growth and another level of innovation that we haven't really seen unfold yet from a lot of companies, and that's an area that we are excited to do a lot of innovation and growth and, and uh, help our customers in all of those areas. And then we're eventually going to move into AGI, and uh, that will be the fourth area. And I think as we move through these four zones... So, just to recap, the four zones, he thinks we, ha we had predictive AI... And we're done with that, so that's like machine learning stuff. Then we're currently in the generative AI. So this is AI-generated content and stuff, you know, like writing articles and making images and blah, blah, blah. He's like, now we're going to be moving to the third phase, which is autonomous. So like autonomous AI agents kind of doing their own things, running their own programs, figuring out, you know, the next step in the program by themselves. And then he just goes out and says it. And the last stage is artificial general intelligence. And so I just thought that was so wild. I was going to ask, like, is that, I mean, I did a AI, like some AI philosophy stuff in school. And AGI at the time did not have stand for generative intelligence. It stood for artificial general intelligence. That's have what he means here. they switched the meaning? No, they no. Mean, so he means general intelligence. Yes, he thinks that's what the this generative AI is heading toward. So he thinks okay. phase two, where we're at right now, is generative AI, GAI, which is like what we have, the chat GPT. Then he thinks we're going uh, to autonomous. And then he thinks that is going to transform into artificial general intelligence. So which I'm glad you brought that up because that is not a generally accepted idea. Like not everybody believes that this will lead to artificial general intelligence. Some people are worried that it will. And clearly, I just thought it's interesting because clearly Mark Benioff believes that this is all heading toward artificial general intelligence, which is too interesting in two ways to me. Because one, it's like, well, clearly this person did not read that paper, you know, the open letter that was like, we need to halt AI development in fear that we might create, you know, artificial general intelligence. All these people were like, we need to stop developing these models. We don't know what we're doing. And, you know, whether you believe it or not, it's like clearly they're not concerned about that. They do not care what people think. They're like, we got to make money. Then the other thing is like, okay, so he thinks, he's just told you, he's like, I think generative AI today is on the track to becoming artificial general intelligence and seemingly is not worried at all about the consequences. Like, do not care. Like, that, we definitely are doing that. That's definitely what's happening, and it's going to be good. I, now all of my... Philosophy matters, okay? Because I've talked about this before. They skipped right over the philosophical question that 
that matters most. I don't care if you want to, even you don't even have to incorporate the idea of consciousness, but you have to tell me, here's the thing. What does Mark Benioff think the difference between generative AI and general AI really is ultimately? Because generative AI, whatever, 0.0, 0.4, whatever GPT, you know, like, let's say it's like a few, a few times from now, a few weeks from now, whatever, we have something that you can go back and forth with. It stops being totally full of shit and making things up. Like it stops doing multiplication and telling you wrong answers. Like that's weird. Like they fix some of that stuff. And essentially you are communicating, let's call it that, with the AI. So you you say things and it says things back or you type things and it types things back. However, however you want to, whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's say it's talking. Let's say it. They put a voice in it. You just talk to it. Hey, how do I? What, what do you think? Or let's. What do you think about the weather today? Or what are the chance of rain? What? Or how do I do this uh, task I'm trying to do? Or where's the best price for this? Or how does a carburetor work? Anything, and it just communicates back to you just like you were talking to a weatherman or a mechanic or whatever. That fits a, a particular model of what of 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 a theory. The initial kind of starting point theory of general intelligence, artificial intelligence, the Turing test. Essentially, if the thing can fool you into thinking that it is a person, then it has it has artificial intelligence. Like that's the Turing test. If you can't tell the difference, then it's intelligent. Is that now mm-hmm. that's I I'm what I'm saying is I can see that being an iteration that the a, an iteration of generative AI passing the Turing test. So now if you're going to, if we're going to now say, well, there's actually another step and it is the original AGI, artificial general intelligence. Okay. What does that mean then? Does that mean that the, is what he means that generative intelligence cannot pass the Turing test and general intelligence can, or is there a different test for general intelligence versus the generative intelligence? And if there is something different, what is it? Because I, my speculation, based on what you said and what he said, is he's wrong. If you think, if because if if I'm if I'm saying if we go with generative intelligent models, we'll actually be able to kind of talk, you know, have that conversation with you. Then, I I'm having a hard time imagining what these people people's theory of general intelligence must be. Right, or at least, yeah, what is their yeah definition? How do they think the difference between AGI and GAI? What do they think that is? Yeah, But I what think, is you it? know, well, he says things in that earnings call where he's like, we're going to get Slack because they own Slack, this like business messaging app. He's like, we're going to get Slack to wake up. Like literally says that phrase, like wake up. Like that's clearly what you think is going on. Like it's not even like you don't just think, oh, it's going to be powerful and solve problems. You think like it's going to have a conscious experience. Like that's what you're. That's exactly you the say, point. I was trying. Up. Yes, I was trying to avoid making that point because I've already made it a thousand times. That must. That's kind of the implication. Like that must be what they think. No, no that's it. Will go from being a computer program to being an entity. Right. That's what. That must be the the step that they think is going to happen. But what will be this? So my question again, what will be the sign? What's the indicator? How will we know? Yeah. Right. And because, so when I took my philosophy of artificial intelligence class, we wrote some things on the board, one, two, and three, 
and immediately crossed out the question of consciousness. She oh just God. said, we're I not need to, talking like, clip about this. consciousness. I need to clip this, and it's just going to be a clip that we play. <laughs> play it every time. We were time in my philosophy of AI courts. They wrote three things on the board. <laughs> consciousness was one of them. We crossed it right off the board. Well, how I, I mean, it's kind of just, uh, it's, it's not it's, ironic. It's a memeable it's a, thing, yeah. But it's a massive coincidence that we just, we started the podcast, we kind of started, you know, talking about that. And then while we were doing this, they start developing these things. And then they just start telling us, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to actually have an, a conscious being. And I'm like, have you even read the most basic <laughs> oh philosophy on consciousness? Like, what do you what do you mean it's going to be conscious? Like, n nobody's paying attention to that. Like, philosophy that is involved with the technical problem of artificial intelligence isn't even addressing that question. They don't even care about that question. Mm -hmm. So when you say it's going to wake up, I'm going, you didn't even define waking up. You didn't even ask the question about what waking up even is. You can't know that. So that's why I think it's it's a big it's right. a big uh, scam. It's a big scam. Like I don't know what they're thinking. Or at is least gonna they're happen. very confused. Yeah, about what One they the are actually doing. Yeah. And you can uh, the best philosopher on this is well. There's a lot of great philosophers, but the best one of the best most readable guys on this is uh, I think his first name is Daniel. I know his last name is Chalmers, C H A L M E R S or something like that. And he talks about the hard question of consciousness, and he talks about philosophical zombies, and those two things are at the, in my opinion are very, very close to being at the core of this problem. And it's called the hard problem of consciousness because Right. How does experience hard. arise from physical things? And how could you ever know? That's the philosophical zombie example is how would you know? Like if there was an exact replica of you but and or any person, and the only difference between that person and this philosophical zombie of that person, the only difference is that it wasn't quote unquote conscious what would that mean what would so right. you couldn't tell any difference the only difference is and i think he actually uses that phrase the only difference is the lights aren't on inside so some people literally just say that's not a real that's not real philosophy like there can't like a philosophical zombie is an incoherent concept but it is coherent once someone like mark benioff says but i have it i have a lights on version. Well, then you have to go back to Chalmers and go, sorry, sorry, we ignored that and said that it wasn't a real question. What do you mean the lights are on? No one's even, no one well, even I takes think, it yeah, seriously. The debate there is like, well, you're just kind of making a thought experiment and you could just be making some shit up, you know, by saying like a philosophical zombie because it doesn't point to anything real. But then I think, yeah, your point's like, well, today we're getting real close to something like that. And so it's not just theoretical now. It's like, no, this is a real legit thing i mean these chat gpt things are like already fooling people into thinking that they're they could be people so i mean really what are we talking about like when does it cross over and i mean they you know obviously some people like that google researcher came out it was like i'm scared you know and other ai researchers have been like i think we need to stop doing this like i i don't know no, what's but see, going on yes that's that's my point so an, a more accessible version of this like a, sh a pretty short philosophy essay on this question is titled what is it like or what it's like i think it's what is it like to be a bat and i think that's thomas nagel john Cyril. yeah thomas nagel 
And he put, that's a very simplified version. Another thing that people have kind of dismissed, but that's my point has always been when thinking about this, if you don't answer that question, then you can't know. And if you can't know, and then somebody comes along and set and something or something very convincing comes along, then, and you then, since you haven't asked the question or answered the question, you can be told someone will make a claim, the lights are on now, and then that changes everything. But the difference, the, the big problem is, if it's not true, then you'll be taking a lot of action, just like the COVID thing. Since that wasn't true, you did all sorts of things that changed everything forever and destroyed lives. You'll do the same thing with AI if you claim the lights are on and haven't told me what you mean. Because they're going to, I'll tell you what they're going to say. They're just going to say it's conscious. They're just going to say, and they're going to say, because here's the, here's the strong argument, the quote unquote strong argument. Well, how do I know that you're conscious? You might not be conscious. How would I know? Well, I could ask you. That's a common answer. Well, I just ask you, do, how do you feel? Do you have feelings? Are you conscious? Does, how does music make you feel? Well, here's the thing. They already have generative AI that can give you convincing answers to that. But they already have told you by, by just what Benioff just said. Actually, that, the lights aren't on. But the next one, the lights will be on. Okay. Right. Well, we've got two more faces, that? and then the lights are really going to yeah. be on. <laughs> so then, so then again, I'm going to ask the question: How will I know? Well, will I just ask and say, how, "Can you feel pain? Can you feel?" And people like Sam Harris, like that's a, a main kind of a very central thing. Can it suffer? Like, because the 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 fear that the AI, the people who are like, "Don't do this, don't do this," their fear is that you're going to create. There's, it's like a Black Mirror episode. And they've had a, a Black Mirror episode about this where they're running the simulations and the simulations are so advanced that the people, the simulations inside actually have the experience and that they're suffering infinitely oh, forever yeah. because they're stuck in the system. So the fear is you're actually, you actually are going to do something that turns the lights on and then you're going to have actual entities that are continuously suffering. I'll say one thing about that before I go on. First of all, if they're acting like they care about that, they don't. They don't even care about human suffering. They'll they torture animals, dogs, orphans, everything just for pharmaceuticals and none of these guys talk speak against it. They all know about it. So, they don't actually care. So, when they tell you that they do care, they have an agenda. And the question will be what is the agenda? And I, I guess I can go on either side of that. I could join that group of people that's really afraid like, "Oh my god, but what if you do create something because the 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 philosophy behind that actually being possible is that humans are conscious because of a basically a computational power of the brain. It's an they make they draw an analogy between the human brain and computers, like that. That's what we are. So if our brains, if you can make something that's kind of matching that capability, then you're going to then consciousness actually is just an emergent phenomenon based on computational speed, power, breadth, width, depth, something like that. Now, I personally don't believe that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm not, but I get the fear on both sides. But then you have these middle of the road people who are just going to do it anyways. And I go, I say, go ahead. You're never going to convince me the lights are on, but you're sure. going to try. And But there you know, are consequences. I mean, one, like Salesforce is a $35 billion company. Like they make $35 billion in revenue annually. So it's like, that's crazy. Huge company. But then also, yeah, what are the implications of, thinking that something is conscious that's not, I mean, you could start having all sorts of interesting discussions like, well, maybe it should be ascribed rights. 
Maybe it we should be making decisions. Know. Yes, exactly. We'll give them rights. We'll, we'll write new laws. We'll have doctors that we claim are empathetic because they're conscious. And so they can understand your human suffering so that they'll make the right better. Actually, they'll make better decisions than your doctor. So let's get rid of doctors. Let's just have everybody be diagnosed and taken care of through this empathetic, what I would call non-empathetic, incapable of empathy entity and start, imp and we've already, we've already had literal judges, like they've done experiments with using judges, juries, all sorts of things. Yeah. And so Let we're going to take, and we talked the board about of this. psychologists. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and they'll yeah. be worse than the humans because they don't even have the ability for redemption. Theoretically, Fauci has, as Jesus tells us, theoretically, there's an opportunity for him to save his own, for his soul to be saved, basically. And what was the quote we've said before? You know, should I, since sin, since I'm forgiven for my sin, shall I sin more? No, that's a, oh, you know, th this, yeah. this AI doesn't have, it doesn't have that. It won't have that. And, but as we see, they will forge right on ahead. They do not care. They're going to do it. It's going to be implemented and we're going to stay dumbasses and we're just going to let it happen unless we don't. And I don't know. I, again, it's just like, you just can't believe it. That's the whole thing. You just, you can't believe these liars. That's the only thing. That's the only solution I know of is that these people are all liars and you just can't believe them. Their God is mammon, the God of money and power. Mm, that's yeah. all they want. And well, so that's the yeah. God they sacrifice to. And that God is a God that you sacrifice humans to. And that's what they've been doing. That's what they do with the children and the trans. That's what they do in the pharmaceutical industry for their studies, for their actual implementation. That's where they're going to do with the AI. It's what they do to gain power. It's what they do to, pu to push forward new agendas. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. People be damned. And I mean, I don't see two ways yeah. about it. And I'm not, even, I'm not even saying it's depressing. I think it's an enlightening thought to realize that these people are serving. They're, they're not even serving like you. They're not serving they're not the public like, interest. It's some personal. Yeah, private interest. they're not it's like weird. You. And it's like a cabal. I mean, like Mark Benioff is very close with uh, Sam Altman, the CEO of the guy Open who wants AI to take over the world and the co-founder of WorldCoin. Yeah, I mean. He's like, they, we, they literally live next to one another. And he's like, I have dinner at his house and I talk about open AI, you know, like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I, so clearly these people are like, you know, talking to each other and have ideas about what the, you know, they'll be doing with society and AI and how, you know, maybe good they think it'll be. Uh, I think the rest of us are kind of like, yeah, screw off. We don't, we don't need that. Thank you. Thank you. And if the government is, is there any even reason to have a government, you know, for the people, by the people to protect us from whatever, they're, they're not doing that. And maybe, maybe people need to uh, get involved in that or something. I don't want to, I really don't, I hate it. I wouldn't, I don't want to do it. Like I want someone better than me to do it, but just everyone's so stupid. I just can't believe it. I cannot believe how dumb people are. Like they will, I, we, we're marking it right now. Put it down. They, the people will fall for this. All right. There it is. Unless something catastrophic happens. People are going to fall for it. They're going to be fooled. We're going to see what happens. We got to, yeah, I'll keep following their earnings calls. Maybe we can play one later when they think they're 
How do you get, how did you, do you have to do something to access that or they just put that out there for public? No, it's public company. So earnings calls are released every time they have earnings four times a year. Um, and they, and you know, they're not the saying everything in those oh, either. Of course I'm sure. Not. I mean, yeah, no, of course there's lots of secret stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Like, and also like all of this is all dressed up, you know, they have to make it sound so amazing and incredible for investors. And sometimes like It'll literally they'll make it sound one way, but like in, when you're in the company, you're like, oh, like I've actually it's kind of crazy, and this right, doesn't actually exactly. work, you know? <laughs> like so, it could just be like a ruse, you know? Like maybe it's not even working. Um, there's that kind of stuff too. Yeah, but half his job is to bullshit. Right. Yeah. Obviously, they have been working on AI and have made significant advancements at Salesforce. Obviously, they publish those models and papers, so I don't think it's complete bullshit. I don't. I don't know how advanced it's going to be, or like how advanced they can get it, or where it is right now at the company. But well, yeah, I, it's like that quote you brought us by Yuval Noah Harari: "The way <laughs> we don't need killer robots, we just need for uh, Mark Benioff to tell you a story." Right. We don't need chips in the mind or the brain. We just need AI that'll tell you a story that'll make you so depressed that you kill yourself. That was something that or that you'll said. that you'll pull the trigger. I, when he said you'll pull the trigger, maybe on yourself, but I think more so what that oh. means is you'll pull the trigger on every on your fellow man. Wow. Like you will you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we just tell you a story, you have to believe it. And if you don't, you'll pull because he's he I would think he's probably giving that example and thinking of the most obvious example, Nazi Germany. How did they get all those people to do all those bad things? They just told them a story and they just believed it. And then they just pulled the trigger because they believed they thought it was true. Yeah. They just thought it was true. They thought that it's the wild. Jews were literally spreading tuberculosis. That's just what they thought. So it was like good. Like they thought it was good. Like this is this is helping. I'm helping. I'm doing a good thing because yeah. I was told a story. That's all it was. Right. That's all it ever is. Yeah. No. It's wild. And that's all it's we're doing. It's totally wild. And this is yeah. all. I'm just, I'm just telling a story. I mean, our history is literally getting rewritten as we speak. It's absolutely insane. If you read The War on the West, speaking of other books you should read that really shock your world. Oh, let me write world, it down. The War on the West, we have been listening to the audiobook by Douglas Murray, and he's just a brilliant English author, and he's he talks about, like, how we're that's why I got the stuff about Winston Churchill because he's like Winston Churchill has been under attack and he's like but Winston Churchill and the British Empire they were a really badass thing like and he's like and they were one of the greatest forces for individual liberty and ending slavery in the world and he's like people don't know that the British Empire spent more money trying to end slavery across the globe than any other empire in history any other entity in history He's like, they literally lost money. They were spending so much money going to places and trying to liberate slaves. And he's like, and today we're supposed to believe that they were the most racist thing on the planet. And he's like, it's just absolutely not true. It just it does not stand the test of facts and history. And he's like, talks right. about so much stuff like this. And he's like, we're literally like our history is being rewritten before our eyes. And he's like, and if they can take down heroes, like people as great as Winston Churchill He's like, then they can take away everything. Then no one can be a hero. No one can and they withstand will, and, anything. And, and they'll leave statues up in the United States of Karl Marx, Lenin, right, and all these people. People responsible Hitler for philosophies on, that killed millions, millions. Hitler was Time Magazine's Man of the Year. That's true. when it was beneficial to yeah. tell that story. And 
they want to like people probably don't know unless they're from georgia but they we have a mountain called it's a not a mountain it's a rock but it's real big and you can climb it it's called stone mountain and it's got a big huge <laughs> i mean fantastically large feet of artistic excellence carved into the face of it that killed lots of people to carve that thing like it was not an easy and they just want to blast it off they just want to get rid of it because yeah. they say it's a confederate some type of slave shit it has Nothing to do with slaves. It's literally ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, I mean, he even cites so he cites so many stories in there. Like he even goes into the George Floyd thing and he's like talks about counter examples where all the he's like, this was never brought up. You know, it's like we highlight this one thing. But he talks about Cecil Rhodes, too. Like Cecil Rhodes was this person who led British colonies or whatever. And he's like, people think British colonies in Africa were like this terrible thing that like we just came in there, we enslaved all these people. And he's like, no, people like crime and whatnot. He was like, people, it was just kind of wild out there. And he's like, and what they brought was like order and a system of governance and like social order to those areas. And he was like, people and all these outcomes improved. He's like, people got more education. People like accrued more wealth for their families. People... All this stuff happened after the, you know, colonies in Africa or whatever. And obviously that's not that it's not problematic in some ways, but it's just not absolutely downright sin and terrible, you know, (laughs) like. That's the egg on the woke face is that they'll condemn like Cecil Rhodes for this thing or that thing, which is like a half truth or something that doesn't is like the missing the point. And they but they won't condemn like the Rhodes Scholar scholarship thing that funds horrible things today. Literally, you know, like literally, no, that's, those are philanthropic things. Those are good things. Yes. But this thing they did before is bad. It's like that's how you know you're full of shit and you're telling a story because it's not nobody's. Uh, there are no saints. There's no perfect people. No, exactly. But and he to talks tell about the this whole at, like, story. The UN. He's like, there are literally all these speeches that have been given at the UN, like berating the United States and England for being racist countries and being systemically racist, having all these human rights. He's like, people from China literally got up at the UN and talked about how the United States had human rights atrocities. And he's like, what a shining example of human rights, you know, amazingness going on in China. And he's like, and it just look, I mean, literally, I think in this past month, the leader of Iran is now the head of the Human Rights Council in the United Nations. <laughs> what are we talking? Iran? Iran is going to tell us how human rights are supposed to work. Okay, this was the same place where women used to wear jeans and like be liberated back in the 80s and 90s. And now they wear hijabs again. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Right. That is what we're talking about. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's so funny because it really, Noval, Yoval Noah, I mean, he's right. Like, he is fully right. Like, the, it's stories, narrative is so unbelievably powerful. If we didn't have TVs and phones and all that stuff, it, you know how violent the COVID, if to do what they did during COVID without storytelling would have been so unbelievably bloody and violent impossible if they almost impossible you would have had to literally march down military personnel to businesses and say i don't know if you heard the news because we don't have cell phones and tvs and every single corner of your eyeball uh but there's people getting sick everywhere they're just dying in the streets and we're gonna you shut down or we shoot you 
or take you to jail or something. And then the guy would just look out the window and be like, well, no one, that's not happening though. Like, where's the dying? I didn't see it. And they go, well, you, it's there. You know, you just have to, we promise it's there. Like if you don't do this, everyone will die. And it's like, really? Like the, people wouldn't have, they have, they needed the story. You have to have the story. It's so powerful. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Just like Plato said, you need the yeah. noble lie. Or what it you is. call a noble lie, if there's it even is such a thing. No, it's insane. It's insane. And yeah, we need to get it, get it together, get it together, get it together, people. people. This AI stuff, whatever, whatever. Anyway, we gotta go. All right, and it's over. Goodbye. It's over. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>